Shalom lechol atzofim v'atzofot, anachnu bekorim bazoar. Hello to everyone. We're reading the Zohar today. We will continue to read Rejoicing in the Holidays. And first start with a clip of Rav Lightman. Zohar is the light that comes from the head of Ari Anpin from these upper systems into the body of Arikhanpin, into Ishsud, through Zirampin, Malchud, Atilud. Malchud is all the souls, and this is all of um, the light, the radiance that comes to it, that awakens, enlivens the, the souls. That's why it's called the Zohar. That's why the book is called that. And we try to read this book and uh, explain that everything has to, all this is uh, the building of our soul, the desire, the point in the heart, and inside it we want to discover all of the parts of how, it's, how it was built. Each word, each, uh, each item that's described is only talking about our inner desire, what's happening inside and let's see if we can uh, discover and find what the book is telling us. We are reading Zohar for All, first part, the preface of the book of Zohar, uh, Rejoicing and Holidays, item 175. The share of the Creator is to delight the poor as much as he can. For on holidays, the Creator comes to see His broken vessels, enters them, and sees that they have nothing with which to rejoice. He weeps for them and rises up to destroy the world. Upon the creation of the world, when he said to the angels, let us make man in our image. Mercy said, let him be created, for he does mercy. Truth said, let him not be created, for he is all lies. Justice said, let him be created, for he does righteous deeds. And peace said, let him not be created, for he is all strife. What did the Creator do? He took truth and threw it on the ground, as it is written, and cast truth to the ground. It is known that one should always engage in Torah and commandments, even not for her sake, because from not for her sake, he comes to for her sake. This is so because for man's lowness, he cannot engage in commandments in order to bestow contentment upon his maker right from the start. Rather, by his nature, he can make any movement only if it is for his own benefit. For this reason, first, he must engage in commandments not for her sake, 
out of his own benefit. And yet, during the carrying out of commandments, he extends abundance of Kedusha, holiness. And through the abundance that he extends, he will eventually come to engage in commandments for her sake in order to bring contentment to his Maker. This is the meaning of truth's complaint about the creation of man, saying that he is all lies. He was complaining, how can such a man be created from the outset to engage in Torah and commandments in complete falsehood and not for her sake? However, mercy said, let him be created because he does mercy, since the mercies that he does, which is necessarily an act that is scrutinized as bestowal, through it, he is gradually corrected until he can engage in all the commandments in order to bestow. Hence, he is certain to eventually reach his goal of engaging for her sake. This is why Mercy argued that he should be created. Peace, too, complained that he was all strife because he cannot engage in commandments in order to bestow, but with a mixture of self-pleasing, he is always in strife with the Creator, because it seems to him that he is a complete righteous. He does not feel his own deficiencies at all. He does not feel that all of his engagements in Torah and commandments is not for her sake. And he is angry with the Creator for not being rewarded as befitting a complete righteous. Thus he is perplexed at one time he is at peace with the Creator and another time he is in dispute. This is why peace said that he should not be created. But justice said, let him be created, for he does tzedakah, righteous deeds since by the commandments of almsgiving that he does for the poor, he gradually comes closer to the quality of bestowal until he comes to engage for her sake and will be rewarded with eternal peace with the Creator. Hence, he should be created. After their arguments were heard, the Creator agreed with the angels' mercy and justice and threw truth to the ground. That is, he permitted engagement in commandments in not for her sake. At first, even though it is a lie, it follows that he threw truth to the ground because he accepted the argument of mercy and justice, that by doing mercies and giving tzedakah to the poor, 
he will eventually arrive at the truth, serving the Creator only in order to please Him, for He will eventually come to for her sake, and then truth will arise from the ground. This is also explains the breaking of the vessels. First, there was the creation of the world because by the breaking of the vessels of Kedusha and their fall into the separated Biyah, sparks of Kedusha fell into the shells. From them, all sorts of pleasures and fancies come into the domain of the shells, for the sparks transfer them into man's reception and for his pleasure. By that, they cause all kinds of transgressions such as theft, robbery, and murder. However, we were also given Torah and commandments. Thus, even if one begins to engage in them in not for her sake, for one's own delight, to satisfy one's base desires, according to the powers of the breaking of the vessels, he will eventually come to for her sake through them and will be rewarded with the purpose of creation to receive all the delight and pleasure in the thought of creation in order to bestow contentment upon Him. On holidays, the Creator comes to see His broken vessels. This is because on good days, when one keeps the commandments of the joy of a good day, due to all the abundance that the Creator gives him, the Creator goes to see His broken vessels by which man is given an opportunity to engage in commandments in not for her sake. He goes to see to what extent they have completed their task of bringing man to for her sake. and sees that they, the broken vessels, have nothing with which to rejoice. The Creator weeps for them because He sees that none of them have been sorted, that they have not brought man into for her sake at all, but rather He engages in the joy of a good day only for His own pleasure. Then he weeps for them, meaning he seemingly regrets having broke them since he broke them and threw truth to the ground only for man's sake so he could begin to work and not for her sake and then arrive at for her sake. And when he sees that man has not moved from his selfish desire whatsoever, 
then he has broken them in vain. Thus, he weeps for them. He rises to destroy the world, meaning he seemingly rises to remove the abundance from the world and destroy the world since when the not for her sake is unfit for bringing man into for her sake, it means that the abundance itself is bad for him since by that he drowns further into the shell of reception. Hence, it is better for man to stop the abundance for him and to completely destroy it. Let's renew our intention and watch uh, the second clip. Let's ask a little more for the sensitivity about the Zohar, something intimate, something warm, something very simple, a book that very close to us, no closer, nothing's closer, um, no book is closer to our soul. We'll continue with item 176. Members of the seminary come before him and say, Lord of the world, you are called merciful and gracious. Let your mercies roll upon your children. He tells them, Have I not done anything but mercy to the world, saying, Let a world of mercy be built? The world stands on mercy. But if they do not do mercy toward the poor, I will destroy it. The high angels say before him, Lord of the world, here is so-and-so and who ate and drank his full and could do mercy to the poor but gave them nothing. The slanderer comes, takes permission and chases that man. Commentary. At that time, the high souls that are called members of the seminary begin to pray for the lower ones that he will not arrest the abundance from them, that he should be merciful toward his children. They speak favorably before him and say, since they do his commandments, his faith, they are considered children of the Creator. Hence, they are worthy of mercy as a father is merciful toward his son. The Creator replies to them, Did I not build the world on mercy only? The world stands only on mercy, meaning that no correction will come to them through the abundance when they are not delighting the poor. Since the creation of the world was on my consent to the angels of mercy, that by doing mercy to each other, the world will exist and they will achieve for her sake. 
But now that they are not doing mercy, no correction will come out of it. Then the angels of the Upper One said before Him, Lord of the world, here is so-and-so who ate and was full and could do mercy to the poor, but gave them nothing. In other words, even the high angels, mercy and justice, and all those who agreed to creation, began to slander it. For they disagreed with creation in this way of not for her sake, but only so that mercy and tzedakah will be done so that through them they will achieve for her sake. But now that they are not doing it and they are not worthy of achieving for her sake, they regret their consent and slander man. Then comes the slanderer, takes permission and chases that man since once it has been made clear that the man is unfit to achieve for her sake with his commandments. Permission is given to the slanderer to do his thing. 177 Item 177. Who in the the world is greater for us than Abraham who does mercy with all the people? On the day when he makes a feast, it is written, the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. Abraham made a feast and called all the greatest in the generation to that feast. And in any feast of joy, that slanderer walks and sees if that person first did mercy with the poor. If there are poor in the house, the slanderer parts from that house and does not enter there. If there are none, the slanderer enters there and sees the mixture of joy without poor and without first doing mercy for the poor. And he rises and slanders him. Abraham, item 178. Since Abraham invited the greatest in the generation, the slanderer came down and stood at the door like a poor man, but there was no one to look at him. Abraham was serving the kings and the ministers. Sarah was nursing the children from everyone since they did not believe it when she gave birth, but said that Isaac was a foundling that they had brought him off the street. Hence, they brought their children with them and Sarah took them and nursed them in front of them.
As it is written, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? It should have said Sarah would nurse a child. However, nurse children indeed, the children of all the guests. And that slanderer stood at the door. Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. The slanderer promptly rose up to the Creator and told him, Lord of the world, you said, Abraham loves me. Here he made a feast and gave you nothing, nor to the poor. He did not sacrifice even a single pigeon to you. And moreover, Sarah said you laughed at her. We should understand that Abraham, who excelled primarily in hospitality and graciousness, in all his life stood at crossroads to invite guests inside. How can it be said that he failed in this? that he did not give tzedakah to the poor? Moreover, why did the slanderer trouble himself to dress up as a poor man? After all, this is not his way toward others. However, it is not as it seems here. And there is a great secret here which is applied only to the highest holy ones. Prior to the end of correction, it is impossible to remove the Sitra Akhra altogether, even for the highest righteous and holy ones. As much as the righteous is cautious about doing the commandment with purity, the Sitra Akhra still has the power to complain about him and show a faulty place in the commandment. For this reason, the Creator has prepared for the righteous another manner of subduing and silencing the slanderer. To give a small portion of the Kedusha to that slanderer that remained. This silences the slanderer, and he does not wish to slander him, to not lose the part of the Kedusha that he has of that commandment. This is the meaning of the hair that is placed in the tefillin and the goat that is sent and the red cow. It was said that the slanderer came down and stood by the door as a poor man, but there was no one to look at him. This is so because, of course, Abraham fed all the poor from his meal, and he always, as he always does in hospitality, except for that slanderer who was not adding any purity and transferring him except delighting him 
a little with the Kedusha. He was here as a poor man because he wanted to receive his share of the Kedusha. But Abraham did not wish to give the Sitra Akhra anything of the Kedusha. Rather, he wished to subdue him with his power and repel him completely. Hence, the slanderer rose up and complained. And this is why the slanderer came down and stood at the door as a poor man. For it was not really a poor man, but the slanderer dressed as a poor man and demanding to enjoy Abraham's meal. But Abraham sensed that he was from the Sitra Akra and did not wish to give him anything, not even a pigeon. There is a noteworthy intimation here. In the order of offerings, there are only two young pigeons opposite the two points included together in Malchut that is mitigated with the quality of mercy. There are judgments and mercy in it together. The judgment in it is hidden and concealed, and the mercy is disclosed there. For had it not been for that mitigation, the world would not be able to exist. This is why precisely two young pigeons should be sacrificed. For one pigeon indicates the dove that Noah sent out from the ark, which did not return to him again. A single pigeon implies the quality of judgment in Malchut, without the sweetening in the quality of mercy. And since Noah could not correct any correction in it, it is written that it did not return to him again. And now let's watch the third clip. From after that, we listen many times about the world of Atzilut, especially the Partsuf Barihan Pin, that it's responsible for all of our correction. The book of Zohar, it doesn't talk about that. Uh, it doesn't talk about uh, the, 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 not the correction of the souls. But uh, you can say everything is related to correction of the souls. But the system that is specifically working on us, um, that's what the Zohar is talking about. Not about some uh, uh, systems, uh, the external. That there are many out there. But um, so look at the look at the diagram, the sketch. What is telling us if we have the, the world of infinity, Ein Sof, at the top, and then uh, the world of Adam Kadmon, as we learn, Absag Mabon, and here they are, Absag Mabon, and then we have Tabur, and then under Tabur we have the world of Atsilut. 
Keter the world of Atzilut, we have the head and the, the and Keter and Chokmah, the two, um, two uh, There's nothing else in the head. That's how it's divided. Keter and uh, Chokmah. Um, the, 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 the hidden, the hidden Chokmah. Then we have uh, Bina, that, uh, that's coming out of the head. And then, um, and then, it, then it splits into Gar and Zat of Bina. Gar the Bina is Abba Veima, the upper. Um, then Zat Rishsut. And then there's Zat the Bina. Um, it receives the the light of Chokmah and uh, and works on the souls. That's how it's built. So there could be five spherot, it could be thirteen, it could be seven, it could be ten or one. But usually we say five. Five talks about a smaller state, a katnut, and but you can't have more than ten. But if it says thirteen, that means it's talking about um, the partsuf um, in which it has additional additional light of chokmah. That's it. Understand? Let's continue. Think about the light that reforms, the light that returns us to the source, and so it will come to us and work on us. And let's, uh, let's see, and then we'll understand everything. We will conclude on this. Thank you for being with us.